Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Around the world. Around the clock. Endurance racing direct to you. RadioLeMans.com. to our live and extended coverage from Silverstone here right in the centre of England. It is the start of the European-based endurance season here on RadioLamont.com. Across the weekend, we'll be having uh, not one but two major endurance events with the FIA World Endurance Championship on Sunday. Before that, the four hours of the European Le Mans series. That's all to come and we'll cover their practice and qualifying as well but we've got other uh, items to go through as well on the track and uh, we start this morning with European FIA Formula 3 and joining me John Hindoff in the booth for that will be Johnny Palmer Live from Silverstone this is RadioLeMond.com Good morning to Johnny Palmer, who is to my right in the RadioLeMond.com booth, overlooking, well, actually right on the start-finish line uh, here in the Silverstone wing. Uh, Johnny, good to have you uh, this morning. Looking forward to this? I, I certainly am, John. Yes, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Um, uh, yeah, Formula 3 is really going from strength to strength. It might, unfortunately, be... Uh, in bad health in re- various parts of the world in terms of the UK. Sadly, we don't have a Formula 3 championship Indeed. anymore. So this is uh, for fans here at Silverstone, possibly their only chance to see live F3. And it is a, a wonderful entry. Um, we're in a, a little bit of uh, transverse, I suppose, where the previous champion has moved on to well, higher up the ladder. I was going to say greater things, but not necessarily greater things. But it's uh, it moved all up the single-seater ladder into GP2. That's Esteban Ocon. But we have this new wave of rookie drivers coming in. You know, there are 16 rookie drivers in a 35-car field. So uh, they're the unknown entity. And Bruce and I arrived in 2014 saying Felix Rosenquist is going to be quick. Tom Blomqvist is going to be quick. We left here at Silverstone having watched the rookies take charge of the meeting. Esteban Ocon and Antonio Fuoco um, suddenly made a name for themselves when we didn't kind of know who they were. But all of a sudden we did, we're leaving here at Silverstone. The opening round, of course, two years ago, we had the Monza round to go on. But uh, we don't have anything apart from a little bit of pre-season testing to, to work out the form. So this is going to be a fascinating free practice session. It's two sessions kind of merged into one because we only have five minute break between these two 45 minute sessions. A lot of running and um, three sets of tyres per car. You can use a used set and you can use two new sets for free practice. Conditions are good though. Blue sky. It's, uh, it's quite warm out there considering it's not even nine o'clock yet. There is it. There is some heat in the day. Mm. The uh, It is dry. It is clear and uh, very quiet in terms of spectators this Friday morning. Um, these guys get a decent amount of time out on track though but, but they've got to use it wisely Johnny. 
they get a lot of free practice time actually looking at the clock at the top of the screen it's 40 minutes with a five minute break and then another 40 minutes the qualifying though is very short there are two sessions of only 20 minutes each and then they do get a lot of time during the races because there are three races throughout the weekend two tomorrow and then one on Sunday morning, which is the precursor to the main event, if you like, the six hours of Silverstone for the World Endurance Championship. But first race tomorrow is roughly half past ten, might be twenty past ten. Yeah, there's a twenty past ten race, there's a ten past one race, and then there's something like a nine fifteen race on Saturday morning, or Sunday morning, I should say. So um, yeah, they have to be glued to their timetables to make sure they don't miss. Uh, various bits of their weekend because we will see the F3s quite a lot uh, across the weekend great to have some single seaters on the bill this is the third year now that the FIA European Formula 3 Championship has joined the World Endurance Championship uh, as a as a great support I remember that far back to the first year of the World Endurance Championship I think we had World Series by Renault here in the August meeting and then ever since then Silverstone has become the opening round of the World Endurance Championship. It wasn't always the case. Because the very first World Endurance Championship, the opening round was at Sebring. We had mm. the 12 hours of Sebring as round one, and Silverstone didn't fall until much, much later, until August. But ever since then, for, where are we, for 13, 14, and 15, it's been here. And uh, great to have the F3s on board for all of those years. And so we have... Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, the other thing the I was going to say is that, of course, a man that we didn't know a lot about 12 months ago, but we certainly do now, is Max Verstappen. Yes. Who, again, was a rookie. Of course, we knew the name Verstappen from Jos the Boss, but Max Verstappen had such a dominant year this year, although didn't win the championship, but he was spotted by Red Bull. The car changed colour halfway through because uh, Toro Rosso, Red Bull got interest and uh, welcomed him into their into their fold, the Dutchman. And, of course, he's now in Formula 1. So he's made the jump from Formula 3 to Formula 1 in one fell swoop. And a lot of people said, well, he's a bit too young, isn't he? But the Malaysian uh, performance for young Max would go against that uh, theory, I would say. Yes, I, I think he has uh, probably justified the confidence that has been shown in it i'm not sure that what that says about how difficult or easy it is to go to the very top of formula one and and be competitive um and that's perhaps a conversation for another day but what it it does prove does it not that the junior formula are still capable of turning out people who can make what appears to be quite a big step. I'm not sure what it says about gp2 and gp3 either um and and whether that's just the young driver equivalent of being in uh, a holding pattern over slough uh, on your way to uh, on your way to Heathrow um, but uh, he, he has done a good job and and the racing skills that he learned in this championship and it, it has been relatively competitive over the last few years and you know we, we've often criticized f3 for not being not seeing mm. a lot of racing that's not been the case in the FIA European championship we have seen some good wheel to wheel scraps well, you get 33 races through the year. Mm. Um, and, of course, you're also on the bill of DTM for most of the season. So there are key and important people within motorsport keeping an eye on your race. I mean, it's as important, you could argue, as GP3 and GP2 being on the F1 uh, package as the F3s on the DTM because 
you've constantly got people that are on the next rung of the ladder or in charge of getting people to the next rung of the ladder, keeping an eye on you. And the spotlight is very much on you for the whole of the weekend. I just wonder whether, you know, getting a 17-year-old in Formula One, is that reflective of Formula One nowadays? Could that have been done in the 70s, in the 80s? Is the machinery now, can you get your mind around it a little bit better? I don't know. It's it's within my lifetime, which doesn't necessarily mean it's just yesterday. I accept that. I don't put these old man coat on here. But, you know, it's not that long ago, it seems to me, that, you know, Kimi Raikkonen jumped out of British Formula Renault. Yeah, yeah. And, and went to Formula One. Of course, that meant that there was a, a huge, uh, a huge uh, jump in interest in British Formula, uh, British Formula Renault. I just wonder if Verstappen may do the same for Formula 3 and actually, if you like, rekindle a bit of interest. Uh, the problem is it's so expensive, Formula 3, even at a national level, and certainly at the UK national level, the sort of budgets that have been talked about are eye-wateringly large and would run a sports car for a season, and probably including Le Mans. Um, and I think that's been its issue in the past. Um, but if... If it appears that someone can jump straight up through the ranks, then it's going to get people looking at it. I remember 12 months ago, Paul Truswell talking to me about how for a little while the the European Formula 3 Championship disappeared off the radar because there just wasn't the interest in it. And the interest in the 80s was very much the domestic championships. Looking at Formula 1 during sort of the 80s or 90s, there wasn't anyone that you could see in that entry list that hadn't been through, generally speaking, the British Formula 3 Championship. Mm. They'd come through the UK. German Formula 3 Championship was huge as well at the time. What we've got now is a European Championship, which is booming, but it's also almost to the detriment of the domestic series. Yes, but what I would say about that is what we at least have for those people who are looking to pick talent for the future is they only have to look in one place. That used to be the purview of the British Formula 3 Championship. The British Formula 3 Championship was unofficially like a world championship of F3. If you go back again, it seems like yesterday for me, but I accept that's probably 10 or 15 years, maybe even a little bit more, that... You know, it was the must-do on the single-seater driver's CV, British Formula 3, and if you did well, it was noted that you'd done well because everyone graduated towards it. What's happened over, certainly in the last decade, possibly even decade and a half, is the proliferation of other single-seater series, Renault 3.5, GP2, GP3, Formula Renault, national and European and mm. northern European and slightly left of centre European uh, presented by Termito Bar. All of those series have grown up and effectively diluted the talent pool. So you see someone win a championship uh, and run away from everyone else in the championship at a canter, but you haven't seen him necessarily, that driver, against the best of his generation, not even perhaps the best of that year. What F3 does, what FIA Formula 3 in Europe does now is it at least distills some of that back down into one grid, into one paddock. So I think what we're seeing now is the opportunity to see more of future drivers racing together in the same series. And in that respect, I think it's actually doing its job. It's below 
GP2. I don't think you could necessarily jump straight from a kart into a Renault 3.5 car. But mm. what this is now appearing to be is almost like your Formula Ford level. A lot of people, I, mean, I, I remember speaking to Richard Dutton a couple of seasons ago, he said Formula Ford is almost no more now because it always used to, the, the, the point of Formula Ford was to learn your racecraft. So you, you drove on, on effectively road tyres, mm. no wings, and you just you concentrated on slipstream and racing with other people in terms of you know being able to get to use the circuit as an advantage and use your racecraft to work your way through right apologies for that we just had a power cut here uh in uh, at silverstone so uh I know that uh, didn't drop the line back to London because that part of our power is uh, is fine. So apologies for that. Um, learning racecraft, Johnny. Pick yeah. up. Yeah, um, but I remember we'll Richard... edit that later. That's It'll be fine. fine. We'll Nobody just join the two together. Richard Dutton said, "There's kind of no point in le- learning your racecraft in a car that doesn't have slicks and wings because then when you get into a slicks and wings car, you're going to have to learn that bit to it as well. Mm. So don't do it separately." Jump from the Formula Ford, don't even touch the Formula Ford, jump from a cart into a Slicks and Wings car, and you can do the two jobs at the same time then. And that, he's right, he's been, he's proved right, because this new MSA formula, which started on the British Touring Car Championship last week, these have big, big, fat, slick tyres and wings as well. And of course, Formula Ford started to get wings too. So the, the Formula Ford 1600s, of old, of which there's still plenty about, and you can still go and watch them racing at club level. Unfortunately, as a as a modern day present formula, a relevant formula, it's just not anymore. And the, the the gaps between the rungs of the ladder are almost getting wider apart, I would say. But it's great to have this because this is sucking in people straight from karting, and we have I think three 16 year olds in the grid in the field for this really? weekend. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that just makes me feel very, very there was, old. There, was a, there, there is a guy who was born in 1998. I left school in 1998, and I don't. I dread to think what you were doing, John. 1998. Uh, 1998 was. I'm trying to think. That would be first year of the. Uh, it was first Petit Le Mans. So you know you that go. that puts that in. In perspective, you know, I was at this time of the year, we were planning for the first ever Petit Le Mans and wondering, I'd never been to the States before, and wondering what that was going to lead. Oh my goodness, I feel very old now. Uh, Good morning, if you are just joining us here at Silverstone. It is the FIA World Endurance Championship, European Le Mans Series, and FIA European Formula 3 Championship meeting. The first big international meeting of the European season about to get underway with the F3 cars, all 35 of them, uh, into the wing pits now, the international pits. Now, they are based up at the Heritage Pits, but uh, the race that we don't talk about, and uh, down at our RadioLamont.com, the uh, Midweek Motorsport Collective meeting last night, the meet-up at the Crooked Billet, just outside of Milton Keynes. Thank you, Alan. Um, it was pointed out by anyone who can see that the race with the quads, the tyre trucks and the equipment that happens from the paddock at the Heritage Pit down to this area is uh, quite as enthralling as perhaps what uh, is going on on the track at some stages. Uh, They have all come down. I can see pit boards are ready to go out on the 
uh, on the pit lane, or at least on the uh, the area beside the start-finish line. And the pit lane is now open, so cars trundling out. What we don't have at the moment is anyone, uh, any ability to see the uh, circuit today, so we'll be talking to you uh, mostly about uh, what is happening on the timing screen. So those of you who are around the circuit are probably in a better position uh, than we are. And no Paul Trustwell this weekend. He's on a family holiday. Uh, so we don't have anyone uh, on the outskirts of the uh, the circuit at the Beckett's box. So you'll have to put up with Johnny and I uh, later on. Martin Haven will be uh, joining Johnny uh, for the second session. And uh, Bruce Jones, Nick Damon and Joe Bradley are the rest of our team for the uh, the whole weekend. Um, these are free practice sessions, Johnny. So this is people dialing themselves in, presumably. And as you see it, first event of the season, there's going to be a lot of dialing in to do. Although there have been some, obviously, some out-of-season testing that's been getting done. Uh, yes, and there was some testing yesterday, I believe, as well, because... Um, I read uh, last night that Charles Leclerc, the young Monegasque, was quickest in testing yesterday. So there's been a build-up to this round at Silverstone. A lot of the field were here last year. As I say, 16 rookies. Um, that doesn't mean to say that the, the rest of the 35 in the entry, though, were necessarily part of the Formula 3 European FIA Championship. It just means that the non-rookies have had some Formula 3 experience at some point. For instance, we have the current and perhaps forevermore British Formula 3 champion, Hong Wei Chao, because that championship is now defunct, so he'll never have his title taken off him, <laughs> I would suppose. Uh, Matt Rao, who was second in that championship, is here as so well. he's going to be a very long-time reigning champion until I it's think revived. So. Well, it's like Vitantonio Liuzzi, isn't it? He'll forever be the current um, Formula 3000 champion from 2004 no one can take that from him because it ain't going to happen again uh, so yeah. do you think British Formula 3 is dead now do you don't think it'll come back um, it, you're, I, you're much more involved in the national scene than I am and there, and you go and you talk to people at, at the level that we're talking about the, t- yeah. the sort of teams who might run F3 cars what you don't have now you don't have Formula Renault in any capacity, I know. you don't have Formula 3 in any capacity. I mean, what is the single-seater ladder in the UK now? MSA Formula, which started last week, a lot of cars in that, and the racing was really good and really close. But that is their Formula Ford equivalent, I would say. Or well, what Formula Ford became, yeah. Formula 4, yes. Mm. But they're similar-sized cars to a Formula 4. They have slicks and wings, which in the tradition of the 1600cc you know, Formula Ford Festival is kind of sacrilege to stick a wing on the front yeah, of the yeah, back yeah, of a Formula yeah. Ford. And they've got big, fat, slick tyres, so they're kind of not like a Formula 4, but they're not also... They're not a Formula 3 car. Uh, Formula 4 2000, some of us are old enough to remember. Yeah. Not you. Well, I've, see, I've seen it. I've, yeah. You know... It, it, it was in like black you, and white, you, of course. US Formula Four, yeah, yeah. US Formula Four still runs in this country at club level. I've, I've I've commentated on that sort of thing, but you can't have MSA Formula Formula Four, the new FIA Formula Four, as your top level single seater category in a country. I don't think you've got to have some two liter engine based series. But the problem is that this is this is uh, getting 35 cars for season 2015. It was very similar for last year and the year before that. Can you then sustain? a British Formula 3 Championship, a German Formula 3 Championship, an Italian Formula 3 Championship, when you've got a European scene that is so big. 
because arguably when the when the national scenes were good, this wasn't. Call me old-fashioned. Go on. John, you're old-fashioned. Thank you, you're right. Um, but I kind of yearn for the days when, in a driver's career, their path through different formula was teaching them something uh, different at every level. So you'd start at karting. Yeah. Uh, basics of setup, driving in the wet, big fields, side-by-side racing, move up to Formula Ford, a little bit of car control, car moves around a little bit more, a little bit more setup, but no aero, not slicks and wings. Then you Formula Ford 2000, as it was in my day. Yeah. Um, takes too long, though. This takes too long because you've got kids of 17, 18-year-olds getting into Formula 1, and they don't want to spend... Fair point. A season a karting, point, actually. A season getting racecraft... A season then dealing with the damp. Because the thing is, when you drive, this is exactly what Richard Dutton of Fortet Motorsport was saying to me, I think last season or the season before. You spend a year working out how to overtake people, but you don't have the downforce. And then the next year, you've got to throw the downforce in and overtaking people. You might as well just learn it all at the same time. And that is the way things are going now because it's, well, it's this just immediate society, not just in motorsport, just everywhere. I want this and I want this now. And I want to be in Formula One next year. So you don't. You don't spend a year learning this and then the next year learning downforce and then the next year learning a bit more power. It's just straight to the top as quick as you can. But I just wonder whether some of them will come falling down almost as quickly as they are. Not necessarily about Max Verstappen because I do think he is a talent. But um, I remember Nick Damon saying to me, I think last year, he said, what's the rush? Seriously, what is the rush? Why do you want to be, why, why do you want to be top of the tree so, so quickly? Because, you know, the, the rate Max Verstappen is going, he's going to be in the World Endurance Championship by about 2017. Well, but there's, there's a lot of people who don't even bother now with the single-seater formula. Time's coming in, by the way. Uh, and a... God, purple on black. 156.381 is the fastest time. And as I say that, uh, Rosenquist goes through in the number one car with a 53.2. So people just beginning to switch on the tyres. Um, I think one of the things that we have seen, Johnny, is the increase in people uh, thinking about and talking about and, in fact, doing uh, more GT or endurance-based races as a career choice earlier for the simple reason that there isn't that now clearly defined, certainly here in the UK, that clearly defined ladder of single-seater career progression, the staircase of talent, as it was memorably uh, named by Sir Jackie Stewart a few years ago. Where is that now? It doesn't exist. It's not even a spiral staircase. It, it, it's, you know, in some places there's an elevator to get you from one floor to the <laughs> next. Um, and, you know, how do you get there? Well, you know, finance has a lot to do with it. Uh, cars out on the circuit, and we have had laps now by 31 car. And it's Giovinazzi now who has the fast time. one fifty-three-two. For you've gone your iron with Carlin. Trevor Carlin running a number of cars here this weekend under his own banner of Carlin Motorsport. But you've gone your iron, which is the uh, fried chicken outlet. We talked about this a lot last year, didn't we? Did. We did, yes, from uh, Indonesia. We said it a lot, but never got any delivered. Although I suppose Straight coming up. from Indonesia, that it might take rather longer than we might we might want. So, yes, Antonio Giovinazzi, who won races last year, the Italian actually slipping now because Charles Leclerc, who was fastest in testing yesterday, the rookie, uh, car number seven we're talking about, Charles Leclerc at uh, 17 years old in that Volkswagen-powered Van Amersfoort racing car, 
the young man from Monaco, Van Amersfoort Racing, uh, have been in the championship for a number of seasons. Now, they've got three cars here this weekend with Alessio Lorandi and Arjun Meinik. They're all rookies, though. So that could be that's a brave move from Van Amersfoort Racing to, to not as such have any experience in the team. Yes and no. I don't think an F3 car is as difficult to learn nowadays uh, with the tools at the disposal of young drivers as, say, jumping into a, something completely different from them. If, if they've done other single-seaters, and you know, notwithstanding what we've been talking about, but if they were jumping into a GT car or something like that, very different, very much heavier weight transfer, but with the amount of sim work that everybody does, set up work on the sim, all that sort of stuff, I think it's a little bit easier to get into a car. Now, you've got to turn that into real-world performance, and the key here, as always, Johnny, and we'll see this in the qualifying sessions, is switching the tyres on and getting the best from them when the tyres are at their best. And that has always been so important in this championship. It's no less so this year because it. All right, there's, there's racing down the field, but if you're at the sharp end of the field, then you've got a better chance, simply, of driving away from everyone else. Yeah, true enough. And uh, a lot of the drivers in this championship that have done this before will be aware of uh, how the Hankook rubber uh, deteriorates, you could say, after a certain period during the qualifying session. You get three sets of brand new tyres, by the way, for qualifying and then the races. And I remember Joe Bradley speaking to Trevor Carlin last year and he said, we'll do one set for uh, qualifying one, one, one brand new set tyres for qualifying two and then leave the third set back for the race the first race effectively and then on your on races two and three you go back to the rubber that you use for qualifying two qualifying sessions but three races how does that work i hear you ask well the <laughs> the first qualifying stop, stop hang on get yourself a piece of paper and a pencil you may need to refer to this later absolutely no it's, <laughs> it's relatively easy because session one is dead easy that's whoever gets the quickest time in the 20 minutes you draw a grid out from those times the second qualifying session, um, first fastest times will do you for, for race two of the weekend, and then it's second fastest times from qualifying two, which will uh, sort you out for the third race. So effectively, you need to get two quick times out of that second qualifying session so that you're positioned well for races two and three of the weekend. So but yeah, that, you're right. Say that again. Right, there are two qualifying sessions, yeah. each of 20 minutes long. The first qualifying session sorts out the grid for race one and then it's first fastest times of the second qualifying session which is the race two, two grid second, second fastest of, of race three so arguably the second qualifying session is more important because you've got to get two quick times Correct. out of that yeah sorry grids two yep. and three sorry that was the bit that slightly threw me out at the end no right okay that's perfectly explained johnny palmer and me john hindoff in the booth with times uh, if not tumbling certainly being shaved and it's Giovinazzi back at the head of the timing screen with a 52-2. Can you see that all right there? Do I need to move the screen? Uh, no, I'm all right. You're I right? can see you good? Yep. Yep. Absolutely fine. Thank you. Our uh, commentary box, obviously, over the start finish line. So we do get to see the cars and people have been busy with their liveries. Although Formula 3 is not known for its outlandish uh, colour schemes. But there are at least more than just white and or red cars out there, which is... Uh, Something for Johnny, at least. The bright orange cars, n nice and easy to uh, to spot out there at the moment. Of of Muka Motorsport. Mm -hmm. 
And now we have had all 35 out. Gap between first and last. A rather large 4.6 seconds. But those at the back of the field still getting up to speed at the moment. Most people having completed six laps. And there is 27 and a half minutes. Or there are 27 and a half minutes to go. But notice some names that were here last year. Um, Beretta was in last year and we had a big debate about whether that was any relation and I think we decided it wasn't. Correct. Uh, I've not seen these guys since uh, this time last year. Calderon, I recognise that name. Yeah, Tatiana Calderon who um, must be in something like her third season now, the young Colombian. Menezes was in this last year? Gustavo Menezes has done um, some stuff in the States when he is American. Uh, was he at Sebring, in fact? Yeah, I think he was. And has he done um, Mazda or something like that in the States as well? Uh, yes. Um, yes, I think you're right. But yeah, Gustavo Menezes was part of the championship last year. I always find it interesting to see the various nationalities that are part of this championship as well. There are 17 different nationalities. Really? Yeah. That's not quite as good as last year because we had 19 last year. Um, sadly, we've lost the Spaniards. But they were Spaniards last year, but we do have back um, Danes. Uh, there's Ger Germans back as well, which I think, you know, you can't have a championship without uh, people from Germany in it, I would argue. Uh, and we have a genuine Monegasque driver as well, yes, not just we somebody who lives there. Charles Leclerc is from mm. Monaco, absolutely. Um, and uh, in the seven car, he's very, very quick, to say. He was topping the times yesterday. There's a Fittipaldi in there. There is. And what is that connection? He is the grandson Thank of you. Emo. Mm -hmm. And uh, won the... So the Christian's son. No, that would be... No, he, that, he's a nephew. So, right, I'll have to... I'll, Bradley will have to tell me which... Y yeah. Which offspring. Uh, grandson of Emo. Correct. Mm, that's yes. scary. And he won, he won the uh, Pro Tire uh, BARC Formula Renault Championship again. At the moment, the last ever Formula Renault Championship. He is the defending champion for that. Has that gone as well now? It has. Yeah. <gasps> yep. So you had you had the Renault-backed Formula Renault Championship, which went a couple of years ago, and then Bart continued it for a number of years, but that's uh, not happening either in 2015, sadly. Yeah, Charles Leclerc is from Monte Carlo, and I don't think he just lives there. That is his uh, genuine nationality. 17 years old, Charles Leclerc. In that Volkswagen-powered Van Amersfoort racing car. Daniel Elena is uh, the co-driver for Sebastian Loeb. And he is uh, one of the few genuinely monegasque uh, nationality motorsport uh, people that I know. I'm prepared to be uh, informed at Specutainment or at Blackpool Johnny. Uh, is uh, the Twitter handles in the booth at Radio Le Mans as well of course that's just reminded me to uh, fire up the tweet deck this morning and we have 24 minutes of this 40 minute session to go everyone's been out and already the gap that was over 5 seconds between 1st and 35th is down to 3.5 seconds and, I, and in fact the 34th it's less than 2 seconds it is only the 33 car one of the rookies that is way off the, or a little more off the pace by about another second and a half. And actually, when you think about it, 34 cars in a, in two seconds, inside two seconds, 
this early in the season on this size of a circuit, mm. well, that's actually pretty competitive. That that underlies what we were talking about earlier on. And if we look at the, let's say the top 10, well, in fact, the top 13 are within a second. So that, again, just underlines the competitive nature of the championship. It's a 52-1 for the number 10 car. All Dolores, of course, uh, in terms of the chassis. And the it's one of the rookies that's at the top. And we it's, George, it's George Russell, yeah. who is the BRDC Formula 4 champion from last year. Uh, it's great to see, actually, a, a lot of Brits here. And if you're, uh, you know, native to the UK, and why wouldn't you be here at Silverstone? I think there are five Brits to be cheering on this weekend uh, of varying degrees of experience. And uh, George Russell does know his single-seaters, but doesn't know Formula 3. And this is a bit of a step for him, but he seems to be mastering it. And perhaps we shouldn't be surprised about his pace. The other Brits here, incidentally, car number two, Jake Dennis, in that Mercedes-powered uh, Premed Power Team car. Now, Jake Dennis was here last year and regularly races in the Racing Steps Foundation livery, which is the uh, white, blue and red colours. I haven't seen his car come round yet, but I'll try and point out the colours of it for this year. He may well be sticking with that livery again. Other Brits are George Russell, who we've mentioned, uh, Callum Eilot. I think that's how you say his name. It's either Eilot or Illot in car number 30. Uh, Matt Rao, who was second in the British Formula 3 Championship last year. And Sam McLeod for motor park racing. Again, experienced in Formula 3. He's not a rookie in car number 36. Uh, well used to the two-litre power plant of these cars. They're all on, as I've mentioned, Hankook tyres. And it'll be interesting to see that the approach, actually, of the, some of the teams as to whether they've gone with the new set or the used set because for this session and the next one which follows only five minutes at the uh, five minutes after the end of this practice session you can use two new sets of tyres and one used set mm. um, so I would imagine they're all on brand new rubber and it seems to be weathering fairly well because we're still getting good times Charles Leclerc in fact quickest of anybody through sector one so what can he do with this lap time car number seven Sixth fastest at the moment with three cars above him on the screen. In fact, make that four cars above him on the screen now in pit lane. So there's only George Russell and Charles Leclerc that are the top six quickest so far still circulating. 21 minutes to go, so still plenty of time. There may Some of the cars, of course, may be choosing to change rubber at roughly half distance. These cars, to my knowledge, are based down at the national paddock, but they're using the international pits to do their tyre changes. So that is uh, just over 20 minutes uh, still to run. This is the first free practice session live from Silverstone uh, on 87.7 FM, 1602 for Radio Silverstone around the circuit and around the world at RadioLamont.com. Johnny Palmer and me, uh, John Hindove, still George Russell, uh, leading out by a mere tenth of a second. And in fact, we've got the top three at the moment, Johnny, uh, in... In fact, I'd tell a like, Rosenqvist has just gone back out again, but they are in within two-tenths of a second. I think it's no coincidence that they've all decided to come in at this point. We are at half distance of this 40-minute session. They're going to switch the rubber around, maybe strap on some used tyres to scrub them further, or, or of course, they might just go with a brand-new rubber again and, and then uh, have the used stuff to utilise in the second session but still out there is the 33 car that goes across the line that's Marcus Pommer one of uh, a couple of Germans entered this weekend uh, motor park here with five cars which is the most of any team 
Uh, Nabil Jeffrey, the Malaysian, is also here. Sergio Sete Camara, the Brazilian that did a bit last year. Uh, Mahavir Ragunathan, the Indian driver, rookie. Well done. Thank you. I've been practising that. And Sam McLeod, who is the Brit, as I say, uh, with more Formula 3 experience. And I would imagine that uh, to Sam and to Sergio Sete, that uh, some of the... Uh, less experienced chaps of part of that motor park team will be going to Sam and Sergio Sete just to say what's the best approach uh, up towards the uh, up towards the entry complex or you know how, where do I break into into Brooklyn's let's say and it'd be interesting to know whether that you know the information within a team is shared like that or whether the more experienced chaps keep their data to themselves have to be selfish I think absolutely in yeah. a, a in a single seater team and you are being judged against your teammates that's true all the time so there's a there's a difference between giving them a bit of help and it's the old adage isn't it is uh, uh, he taught me all I know not all he knows uh, I think is probably a decent way of, of looking at it last 18 minutes and it's Giovinazzi and Rosenquist, who were the first back out uh, after their pit stops for either a change of tyres or indeed uh, just a bit of tyre pressure adjustment. Matt Solomon also out on the track. One of, as I've said, 16 rookies here this weekend. Unbelievable, that. Man based in Hong Kong. And uh, he's here with Double R Racing with another one of the Mercedes power plants. The engine split, by the way. There are three different engines uh, it's entirely open you can run whatever engine you want but the lion's share is with Mercedes and with Volkswagen but Neil Brown Engineering are here with one car um, did so they have a car last year as well didn't they they did yeah and for a little while we were wondering whether they'd actually um, I thought it was a bespoke engine I thought they'd put it together entirely themselves but then I was hearing through the weekend that they'd also had some input from Nissan mm-hmm. so Julio Moreno is the man we're speaking about the man from Ecuador car 17 and three bond with t-sport going with the nbe engine once again for 2015 but they had a couple of cars here last year with their engine it's just the one this time and the rest of the cars 16 vw power plants and 18 mercedes so that's a pretty even split split 18 plus 16 they do have to play uh they do have to conform to the uh GRE, don't they? The Appendix J uh, engine specifications, these little four cylinders. Uh, so, it's somewhere in their uh, DNA, they have got to uh, have got to apply. Uh, the, you can't just build any engine. You've got to have. There is a, a set of engine regs, is what I'm trying to say. Sorry, very long way of going around that. Uh, hello to Steve Tarrant who is with us today, marshalling, and it's Pietro, uh, it's uh, Carlos uh, de Cruz, who is uh, Pietro Fittipaldi's father, it's Juliana, who is the Fittipaldi link, uh, says right turn lover, thank you, nice bit of uh, research there. Red flag. Yep, and it's all gone quiet out there. Yeah, that is uh, obviously way early uh, before the scheduled end to the session. We should get this restarted with 16 minutes still to go, although the clock is continuing to count down. 
Not sure why the red flag is out at the moment. As we said, we don't have television pictures of the rest of the circuit. So as soon as we know, then you will know. But at this point where we press pause on the session, as far as the red flag is concerned, George Russell is quickest, although the time, as I've mentioned, is continuing to tick down. George Russell is uh, in car number 10, and although not out on track, is fastest with his time of 152.136. Second fastest, Antonio Giovinazzi, the Italian driver, 152.256, so that's a gap of just over a tenth of a second. Third place is Felix Rosenquist. It really needs to be his year this year, mm-hmm. the Swede. He did perform eventually in 2014, but at his th- third third attempt of it last year, everyone said this he needs to win it now, and he didn't. So really, 2015, uh, he got to pull it back from the brink here to make sure that uh, his career, his line of career, I suppose, isn't uh, duly affected. So car number one, third fastest, already lying down, laying down a marker to the other rookies here this weekend. Uh, car 21 is fourth fastest so far. Car 21 being Alexander Albon from Thailand in the signature French squad uh, car. They're here with uh, Dorian Boccalacci as well, uh, who is also a rookie. So another team with a couple of rookies on board. Mm. Car 21, fourth fastest. And then Brandon uh, Massano, the Frenchman, number 24, is fifth quickest ahead of Charles Leclerc in car seven. So three rookies within the top six, and I make that five rookies within the top ten. So a 50-50 split. That is exactly what we had last year. The rookies really showing the more experienced drivers how to do it. And down in the pit lane is either Nick Damon or Joe Bradley, and I'll find out when they say good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's Joe Bradley with you uh, at the moment. And uh, I've got to say, guys, it's really, really fantastic to be in a crowded Formula 3 pit lane. Hasn't been the case in the UK for some time. Hmm. A face that is not unfamiliar to any Formula 3 pit lane. Uh, We've called him a veteran of Formula 3. He's just pouring over some data at the moment. I'm going to get his... uh, I can't say that on... It's live, Warren. Warren Hughes. I know Warren's been working with uh, Pietro Fittipaldi at Fortec and... uh, at the moment, he's uh, he's looking at Fittipaldi's data. What are you seeing there, mate? Does that make sense? <laughs> not yet. That's not what I'm talking to you. <laughs> so, um, Warren, I've got to say, it's a very healthy-looking Formula 3 field, this uh, FIA series, isn't it? It's mega this year, yeah. I mean, it's... it's uh it's, it's got a real buzz about it because there's so, so many big talents in it this year. Uh, a lot of rookies and some second-year guys as well. So, uh, no, it's a real quality field. Very strong. And it was strong when you were in Formula 3. Um, I know I'm not going to say how long ago, but, but fundamentally the cars haven't changed at all, really, have they? Uh, the aero's moved on, but fundamentally the same thing applies. You know, there's still very, very high grip, very low power, you know, and it's all about sort of getting the chassis working for you and... and being accurate and consistent with your, with your driving. It's a fantastic driver development series uh, and a fantastic series for engineers as well, I guess. So, um, you know, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's the uh, formula for, for any upcoming driver who's trying to get to Formula One, there's no doubt about it. This is where you learn the craft, I take it. This is where you learn the craft about aero over mechanical and not just about the driving, but about learning about how a, a race car works to, a, to quite a high level. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's got you know it's got all the elements. It's not you know it develops a driver from not just a driving point of view, but understanding what he what he needs from the car to get it working. You know, for you, you've got to work on the car because uh, you, you know there's there's a lot of good drivers and a lot of very clever engineers in the pit lane here, and it's about you know getting getting everything extracted from from the package that you've got. So you know, it's it's teaching the drivers to work very closely with the engineers, which obviously becomes very relevant as they move up through the ranks. And on a personal level, you must get a lot of satisfaction out of passing on your experience and knowledge and seeing these young guys coming on and and and, and developing uh, before your very eyes. It is when you've got somebody good like, like you know like Pietro here, Pietro Fittipaldi. He's 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 got a real hunger for it, and he's he's got a lot of very natural ability, and he he wants to pull information out of you you know it's a great attitude so um yeah it's, it's great if you see something that you think yeah you can make a difference here if you change something here and he goes and responds and, and does it and it normally reflects in the lap time so yeah it's it's, it's very satisfying from that point of view i'm going to leave you to get on mate because it's clear that you can't talk to me and analyze data at the same time uh, thanks for talking to us mate i'll no doubt catch you over the rest of the weekend thanks warren hughes there down here in the Formula 3 pit lane, still everyone in the pits. Little bits of tweaking going on, so still people trying to find that optimum setup, uh, which will take them into the, the really serious stuff, uh, qualifying and indeed the race. Thank you, Joe. Uh, yeah, good to get that little bit of an insight. I'm just looking up, actually. You, you wouldn't say it on air, but I'm interested in when Warren Hughes did do Formula 3. Try something like 1992 to 1999 for British F3. That was a good while ago. Um, and raced at things like the Formula Ford Festival in the Do you the know the scary 80s. thing about that is I remember that. I remember <laughs> seeing him doing his, making his debut in Formula Vauxhall Lotus, which I, if I'm right, I think was at Mallory. Uh, I held, uh, I was his uh, pit grid person for yeah. uh, his Formula 3 race at Croft one year. Uh, I remember that as if, well, not yesterday, but it only feels like last week. Very... Uh, very scary. The passage of time uh, is uh, seems to speed up as we get older. Uh, so still no news on why this red flag has... Well, we're back to green now, although the chap with the green flag is only just making his way back to the gantry to, to wave it, interestingly. But the screen tells us it's green. What we don't know is why the red came out for a little period of time. Uh, I would guess it came out for, what, five minutes? Because we had 16 minutes on the clock. Yeah. Um, we've had a green flag now for a couple of uh, couple of minutes, but hopefully whatever the issue was has been rectified pretty swiftly. Now, lots of cars pouring back out onto track, including George Russell, who's, f who's fastest so far in the session, Antonio Giovinazzi back out on track, as is Felix Rosenquist and Alexander Alban. See if we can uh, hook up with Nick Damon down in the pit lane. Good morning, Nick. Oh, I... I heard some hissing, which I thought was uh, was going to be Nick, but uh, uh, he's just walked into the booth behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. So <laughs> that may well be the one for the other paddock then. Uh, well, we'll work that out later. Uh, so that leaves Joe Bradley down in the pit lane for us. We'll go back down to Joe now. Uh, just eight minutes left, Joe. Does it look like everybody is going to take advantage uh, of this uh, last eight minutes uh, not everyone we've got at least well maybe half a dozen cars some of them were even without a driver um, 
that have remained in the pits. I, I did notice as I walked into the pit lane, there was a lot of setup changes going on, ride height changes, damper changes, um, even people adding bits of uh, winglet to the front wing. So um, I know it's quite, I know the sun's out and the track will be warming up, but it's still relatively cold ambient wise. It was a, certainly a chill to the air, so it maybe is. We'll get a chance to kind of clarify what I'm perceiving but there may be a, a bit of a situation with getting some heat into the tyres out there because it is still a chilly morning. Mm. Thank you, Joe. I think they will have looked at weather forecasts as well. It's meant to be very nice today and tomorrow, but Sunday is uh, meant to be a lot, lot cooler and a fair bit of rain on the radar, I think, for Sunday as well. Oh, weather. really? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I remember the weather people at the start of the week saying, enjoy the next three or four days because you ain't going to have it that uh, from the middle part of the weekend and then into next week. So... Certainly much, much cooler temperatures expected on Sunday across the whole of the UK, uh, which will have obviously an impact on the World Endurance I saw 10 degrees mentioned, which I don't think is cold. I still ride my bike in 10 degrees. 10 degrees, double digits means you get the top off a convertible. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's cold, but it's cooler. Cooler. Okay. You know, we're dropping from 15 or 16 down to 9 or 10, which is a significant step. And, of course, the Formula 3 race, the third of the weekend, is held very early in the morning at about 9.15, I believe. Mm. The other thing you've got to bear in mind is that this Hankook rubber, you get um, fresh sets for qualifying and the, for the first race, but races two and three will have to be done on used rubber. So I wonder Can you whether... mix and match sets at that point, though, Johnny? You can say, well, you know, that one's OK, that one's not so good from set one, but the two from set two that you didn't do that many laps on, that's actually quite OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because... OK. They, there is a point basically where uh, we stop at the end of these two qualifying sessions and everybody is given three sets of tyres. Right. And they have to get through two qualifying sessions and three races with three sets of tyres. So after these two free practice sessions, they yep. get three sets of tyres. They tires. get three new sets of Hankooks, but there's no stipulation about when you need to use those but at that point those are the only tyres you can use for the rest of the meeting correct right so you can't go back to an old set that you've used in testing or anything like that no, I, I, I you believe, can only use those I marked the, sets I believe the free practice tyres that they're on now are binned are got rid of you can't go back to those and then you start on the new three set that's that's what Trevor Carlin told Joe last year anyway because he said we're now from this point on when qualifying starts we'll have three sets of tyres we'll use one brand new set for qualifying one one brand new set for qualifying two and one brand new set for race one and then they'll go back to the used ones from qualifying for races two and three that's my understanding anyway five minutes to go and yeah it's one... Peter Lee it's uh it's Lee Ji Kong, or Peter Lee, as he prefers to be known in this country. The, really? Just oh, down the year 19 from where I used to live. Peter that. Lee, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, the young Chinese driver who has had the incident because we'll have a little red S against his name, which means stopped somewhere on the circuit. And a bit of deduction there from John Hindoff would say that that's the reason why the red flag came out. Came out. Let's hope that his Fortec Motorsports car with a Mercedes engine isn't too badly damaged. Might be that he was just beached or stranded somewhere, having not made contact with anybody or anything. Let's uh, hope that's the case, and at least the car can be fixed. Of course, if you do have a drama in qualifying one, you ain't got any time to sort it out for qualifying two. There's only five minutes between the two sessions. That was almost no point in trying to attempt it. The 53-3 that Peter Lee did uh, was on the lap before he fell off. Fast lap, fell off. Oh dear. We've mm. seen that a few times before, haven't we? Not the first time. 
I went round this corner before really fast. Let's try it even quick. Oh, oh no, that doesn't work. And I'm in the kitty litter. So what the screen doesn't tell us is where he's had the moment, if indeed that's what it was. And we are running a little bit blind as far as that's concerned, therefore. I've just noticed we've got a column to tell us all, they're all Delaras. That's yes. useful. Yeah. It is open chassis. Of course, you don't have to have a Delara, but everybody, yeah, pretty much everybody says a Delara is best. And that's borne out by the fact that we have 35 drivers here and they're all racing so the same car. So it's not a single chassis formula? No, no, not to my knowledge. You can turn up with whatever you want. But uh, the common consensus is that Delara make the best Formula 3 car. Ah, there's Lance Stroll. Now, he is the young man in the field. As I mentioned, there are three 16-year-olds in this year's championship but at now let's get this right 16 years and 163 days Lance Stroll is the youngest driver here the young Canadian from Montreal uh, with the Mercedes engine from Prima Power team and they're here with their usual four cars two experienced fellas Felix Rosenquist with the number one car I'm not entirely sure why he's running them oh it'll be because Prima Power team won the championship as a team last year Rosenquist isn't the champion from 2014 but Prima Power team are the team's champion uh, so therefore they can run cars one and two, Rosenquist and Jake Dennis. And they also have uh, Brandon Misano, the Frenchman, and the rookie Lance Stroll, born on the 29th of October, 1998. Dear me. George Russell, also a rookie, bumped down to second place then because of Lance Stroll's time. He's just put that in, in fact, a 152.123. So that's 13 hundredths of a second better than George Russell. Antonio Giovinazzi falling to third position. Felix Rosenquist is fourth fastest. Fifth fastest is Alexander Albon. Sixth fastest, the Frenchman, Brandon Massano. Seventh quickest so far, Jake Dennis. Eighth quickest is Charles Leclerc. Ninth position so far is Marcus Pommer. And in uh, tenth fastest is the number 27 car. 27 being Mikkel Jensen, the Dane for Mucca Motorsport. But with cars 1, 2 and 25 in the top 10, I make that three of the uh, yeah three of the Prima Power Team cars in the top seven. With Lance Stroll, Rosenquist and Jake Dennis, they will be very happy with that. And Masano actually is in the top seven as well. So four of the top seven cars are Prima Power Team uh, um, prepared cars. So therefore, therefore, they are, well, on course potentially for a very good, very big weekend, a very good weekend, the Italian squad, Prima Power team. Over the line goes the number nine car in its dark blue colours. That's the Carlin livery of Tatiana Calderon, the 22-year-old from Colombia. And car 27 in the bright orange livery is Mikkel Jensen, the car I've mentioned. Car FZ Tyler 24, Muki Motorsports to give it its uh, full title. Born on New Year's Eve 1994 is Mikkel Jensen. He goes over the line to begin another lap. And we're at the point in the session now where we only have five cars in the pit lane. We're minus Peter Lee because of his problems during the red flag period or to cause the red flag period. But everybody else is out on track with only 20 seconds to go. And of course, if you start a lap now before the checkered flag is displayed then you will be given the chance to complete that otherwise as soon as you see the checkered flag it's time to back off and uh, work your way towards the uh, national pit lane so 
we're at the we're in the kind of strange scenario here at Silverstone. It's not unique, but it is unusual to have a pit lane at either end of the circuit, and therefore, uh, particularly for the European Le Mans Series cars that will be competing tomorrow in their four-hour race, they will actually pit halfway round their lap in the national pits. Alessio Lorandi completes the session in car number eight. That's another one of the three 16-year-olds in the Volkswagen-powered Van Amersfoort racing car. Alessio Lorandi, the Italian, just a, a handful of days older than Lance Strong. And will Lance Strong, uh, Stroll, I should say, Lance Stroll finish the session at the top of the times? It looks like he's going to in car 25. So a 152.123 looks to be the best effort nobody else getting quicker than that and i think they've used the best of their tires quite frankly just wonder whether half the session this morning was used to see how the brand new rubber would uh, cope with the silverstone asphalt and then the second part of the session with slightly older rubber because of course they will have to do two races this weekend on used hankooks and they will need to retrieve some data to see how that behaves during uh, each of the races so this actually doesn't stand for anything at the moment. Oh, no, no, no. No, this is entirely free practice. This is just to get some data on board, maybe just freshen up the charts from last year. Although teams come here with a number of rookies, they uh, the teams themselves will have data, of course, on the Silverstone Grand Prix circuit. So they're not coming here with an entirely blank canvas. So Lance Stroll quickest at the end of the first free practice session remember it's just five minutes though and then we're into the second free practice session at i think 9:45. free practice two yes indeed we get confirmation of that now on the screen that will start at 9:45. the pit lane is closed interestingly that's to stop people coming in at the end of the lap and improving their time because if you remember here at silverstone on this configuration of circuit it's actually quicker through the pit lane to the line than it is around the track. Got you. So okay. I presume what they're doing now is making everybody go across the line to take the chequered flag. I see. Fair enough. So, yeah, although the area that the F3 uh, paddock is is over towards the national pits, all the cars for this five-minute interval between sessions are coming into the international pit lane. Uh, I can't hear you, John, so... No. There we go. That was deliberate. Ah. Uh, Joe Bradley, down in the pit lane, can you still hear us? Yes, I can, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, now, I need you to listen. Um, I'm going to do something and tell me if you can still hear me. Stand by. I'm ready. No, so you couldn't. Excellent. Okay, that's that problem fixed. All good stuff. Um, people coming straight through. Straight through the pit lane. John, back uh, to the... Uh, no, the um, I've kind of followed Lance Stroll, who uh, pulled into his pit, and then his team pushed him up to uh, the scrutineering area where the car has been weighed, and now he's struggling to get back down. Uh, basically, his team have set up on pit in. 
and uh, pretty much we've got everyone now coming to the pits and we've all lined up I'm just looking down the pit lane to see if people have done what you I think were thinking John and they've just basically formed a queue no that's not the case they've all uh, been pushed back into uh, their pit space let's call it and there's a bit of refueling going on there's certainly a lot of download uh, downloading of data being uh, got at the moment engineers in conversation with drivers drivers you would imagine not getting out of the car no point at all in no doing that considering it. there's only no. five minutes so right now we've got uh, a bit of data acquisition and as i said earlier still a bit of tweaking going on with regards to setup so uh, but a few different ideas clearly becoming evident down here with regards to how these cars should be set up thank you joe joe bradley down in the pit lane the next session starts at 9.45, so quick turnaround. Yep. Effectively really one session this with just a few minutes in between for the mechanics to make a brew. Hmm. In fact, we've got a green flag now at uh, bang on 9.45, so this session restarts exactly to time. And I reckon we're going to get a very similar situation as we had in the first session because it'll be 20 minutes of... Uh, cut and thrust um, free practice and then everyone will just come back into the pit lane again to collect their thoughts so it's it's kind of two 40 minute sessions with a five minute break but then there's also a break within each 40 40 minutes of uh, uh, sort of you know just a little pit stop to gather their thoughts and maybe get the kettle on again I don't know so out first of all is the number 11 car which is Fabian Schiller of Germany Team Westech Formula 3 are here this weekend, and just with that uh, one car in their team, in fact. So, again, not they don't have the ability to kind of uh, spread data between several cars. They're at a slight disadvantage with just the one here this weekend. Nevertheless, uh, Fabian Schiller could be one to look out for. He's another one of the rookies. 16 rookies, did you say? Yeah. Of a 35. Half the field, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. And three bond with T-Sport are a one-car team, and Team West Tech are a one-car team. Everybody else has at least two machines here this weekend. Joe Bradley, who is in the international pitch, I mean, Joe, you've watched F3 for a very long time, um, since it was horse-drawn, I think. Um, are, are you seeing any differences now? We, we've had the rise over the last few years of the super teams, have we not? Yeah, we have, and you can clearly see um, this is a very professional uh, setup uh, to be competing in Formula 3 at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm, I think the budget is towards the thick end of towards a million. million euros, yeah. A million euros, and that's, uh, you know, that's a significant amount of money. But, you know, if you want to get towards, and I think, where these guys are aiming for at this stage of their career is definitely towards the F1 grid. And this is where you've got to be. This is where the cream of the crop came. And I'm sure they're, they're looking with uh, with envious eyes at uh, Max Verstappen, who was here last year on this very grid, in this very yes. pit lane. And now he is in a Toro Rosso in Formula One. So I'm sure that the drivers of these cars kind of are setting their sights on there. And you've got very well-funded teams here. You can just see by the... This setup, these cars are proper Formula race cars. It's great to see such a healthy grid of Formula 3 cars. For me, yeah, I know they're not 
you know, the, the racing has sometimes been described as processional, and there's no doubting that. But the, 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 the kind of performance that you see, the kind of closeness of competition, you know, hundreds of seconds are the difference between being on the front row or the 10th row. Yeah. And that is just from an engine, as you heard Warren Hughes uh, tell us and give us a little bit of insight there as to uh, just what it is. It's a breeding ground, not just for drivers, but for engineers mm. and mechanics the attention to detail that has to go into the setup. Your engineer tells you you want you know 1.2 degree of camber, then he gets 1.2 degree of camber, not 1.3 or 1.1, 1.2. That's how meticulous the setup uh, changes are on these kinds of cars. There was uh, there was I think 15 cars within the same second uh, in that first in that first session. So that just completely underlines uh, what you were saying there. And uh, it, it says to me that this is a healthy championship. We, Johnny and I were bemoaning the, the loss of British single-seater championships. We don't have one, is, is the effective answer. Now, the new um, formula, the MSA formula, which is Formula 4 by any other name, isn't it? I don't think they're allowed to call it that. But that is now the single-seater championship in the UK. There's no um, Formula Renault. There's no Formula 3. Um Part of that is because of the success here, of course. But um, it, this looks to me, when you look through the nationalities, Joe, like the British F3 that you and I would have been yeah. watching 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, def- de- definitely. Most definitely. Because we did have the, the premier uh, Formula 3 championship of the world uh, was the British Formula 3 championship. However, the problem is, of course, you look at a, an MSA Formula or a Formula 4 budget and then, all right, you win that championship you've then got to find almost 10 times the amount of money to go to the next stage, which is this. And it's it's an extensive stage. You, you do this or you do GP3. And uh, I'm not sure about a GP3 budget. I'm, I think they're roughly about towards the same sort of cost. So the difference, the, the massive expanse of difference there between doing a national championship to then going to what would have been um, the premier single-seater championship which would have been on these uh, on these fair isles you can't do that anymore you've got to go to europe there's it's 1.2 million euros for gp3 says tim gray from uh, london uh, there are a, a couple of series other single-seater series brdc formula four uh, there's the BARC Inter Series, effectively. I'm not sure it's actually called that, but that's Formula Renault, Formula BMW, and some of the older F3 cars. Basically, they've just stuck all them together to give them somewhere to go and play, Johnny, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. It's a variety of different kind of... It's like Monoposto, basically. You can just turn up with uh, different different sorts of chassis, and I don't know whether mm. there's kind of a, like a balance of performance type thing or whether it's just running straight classes. I haven't seen that live yet. Hope to at some point this season. But yeah, they they're just bringing in kind of redundant cars from various championships over the past few years. Uh, formula BMW did find a, a home for a little while with the Intersteps formula. And now BARC have found another home for old Formula BMW cars, old Formula 3 cars, and then for some Formula Renaults as well. Later this month for the first uh, first run of that championship, Johnny. I just, I'm not sure whether that will attract, you know, the young, hungry, single-seater drivers that are potentially the, the stars of the future. The problem with all of those things is that you win it and yeah. and then where do you go? Exactly. And as Joe rightly said, you know, if you've got to then raise 10 times the budget to go on to something else, 
Hmm. Becomes difficult. Uh, this is a televised championship, of course, and uh, there will be live telly for the races this weekend, albeit on specialist channels, but it is being televised live. So you've got something to give your sponsors a return on investment. But I get the feeling that still what we're seeing here, more than anything else, Johnny, is people who are on the bank of mum and dad, the sponsorship of, of the family at this stage, the next stage up uh, on the ladder, then... You know, if you're going to go to GP2 and GP3, I suppose there are still people who can find that 1.2 million euros down the back of the sofa, but can't be that many of them, I wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't imagine so, no. And uh, not only do you have to have some talent, but you also have to be in a fairly privileged position to actually have access to the cash, unfortunately. And the formula I'm talking about is quite rightly, of course, called Formula Libra, uh, Tim reminds me, in a very old-fashioned way. Formula Libra in the past conjures up slightly different, uh, slightly different mental pictures, as Joe Bradley will yeah, testify. I remember some great afternoons watching Formula Libra, Formula <laughs> Two cars racing in the same, in the same race as a Formula Ford 1600 and stuff, <laughs> uh, and had a few clubmans, and I'm not even sure we had a few super saloons, but that was the late 70s. <laughs> that sounds awesome. On I'll the bet same it was. grid, on the same grid. I, I once saw a shadow, a Formula One shadow, DN. One in bright yellow racing against Chevron, Formula 2, Formula Atlantic, and adding a, a full grid. I mean, if you were racing Formula 4 1600, you'd do your, four, you know, your northern area Formula 4 championship, and then you'd, you'd enter the Formula Libra race, and you'd get two because or three races could. on the day. Absolutely. Just confirming what we've been talking about and how, you know, how close these cars are, the green flag went for the second part of this session. And there was no kind of hurriedness about no. it. There was a lot of cars have remained on the pit apron. And their data engineers have continued downloading data. Then there was conferences up and down the pit lane. Because if the car's not right, you are not going to get that hundredth of a second. You can be driving around there all day long, a tenth of a second off the grid down in 20th. It's all about a team effort in Formula 3 from the dri pressures on the driver to deliver, but also on the engineers to get that car working right. And like any race car, it's all about the tyres. <laughs> and the tyres. And of course, in a single-seater, it's all on you. You know, you don't, uh, you can't spread the, the blame or the uh, the responsibility across uh, lots of different people. It's, it's you and only you for 30, 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's a fair point, that, actually. So, Brandon Masano is quickest so far, but we've only had, what, five competitive times so far in this session? 30 minutes still to go, but the young Frenchman, number 24, has done a 153.548. Matt Rao is second quickest. The, the young Brit who uh, fought Hongwei Chow all the way in the British Formula 3 Championship last year. Yes, they were teammates, but they were taking wins sort of an alternate races really and in the end Hongwei Chow just that little bit too good for the uh, the Brit Matt Rao but nevertheless he is starting to throw down a marker in the early stages of this second uh, free practice session Charles Leclerc slotting his way actually between the Frenchman and the Brit there into second position in car number seven 153.728 and then we've got uh, Matt Solomon fourth fastest and Raoul Hyman in the car, car number 38, who is an addition, actually, to the field. 
didn't see him on the entry list coming here this weekend. So good to have the South uh, South African here this weekend, Raoul Hyman, in car number 38. I think he did a bit last year, but I hadn't realised he was would be here this weekend. We might actually, therefore, have 36 cars, potentially. Need to check that. We might be minus one on the original entry list and then Hyman coming in to replace. And Tony Giovinazzi goes quickest, though, in car number three in the Yagonia Iam uh, liveried and sponsored car. Over the line goes his teammate, car number four, Gustavo Menezes. But Giovinazzi, quickest with a 152.927. We haven't yet, by the way, given you a rundown of the calendar for this year because this is another attraction for the championship is the various circuits that... Uh, the FIA European Formula 3 Championship gets to. Obviously, Silverstone Grand Prix circuit, very much uh, prominent in the Formula 1 calendar, so useful to get that on the CV. They then go to Hockenheim Ring in support of the Deutsche Tourenwagen Masters at the start of May, and it's actually DTM that they follow for much of the season, although the third round is the famous street circuit at Poe and the Poe Grand Prix, which... Uh, is the venue for races 7, 8 and 9 of the championship. There's a slight change in the location for the Italian round of the championship because last year it was at Imola. They switched to Monza, though, for 2015 in support of the Italian GT championship at the end of May. So Autodroma Nazionale Monza for races 10, 11 and 12. Then on to Spa for the next three races. Norris Ring around the streets at Nuremberg. Zandvoort in Holland for races 19, 20 and 21, and then the trip to the Red Bull Ring at Spielberg in Austria, Moscow Raceway at Volokolamsk. Volokolamsk? I think that's mm. how you say it. Okay. Nürburgring is the penultimate round, and then back to Hockenheim Ring, which of course bookends the DTM season, and races 31, 32 and 33 held at Hockenheim Ring as well. So there's a lot of races in Germany, but they also make trips to obviously the UK, France, Italy, Belgium, Holland, Austria and Moscow. That's a good little European Championship, I'd say. Fifty-two-five for Giovinazzi as he goes through. Um, what's uh, rookie R on the screen? I understand for R for rookie, but what's the T for? Good question. I was assume we didn't have that at the very start of free practice two. I'm assuming it's a timing error. Well, it's a, a problem with the screen. I haven't never seen T before. It was uh, no, it was in the first part as well. I yeah, mean, but only I... a, only at about ten minutes in. All oh, right, okay. So I think it's a glitch that's developed during free practice two, but uh, free practice one, I should say. But I will check that. Um, to my knowledge, you're either a rookie or or you're not a rookie. You're not uh, you're not a T. But there's not another class as no, far as you're aware. Not as far as I'm aware. Okay. Because we actually, I mean, according to that, there are some rookies that are T's and some rookies that aren't T's. So. I don't know. I'll check. I'll check that out. The pigeonholes over in the press centre were, um, well, the, suspiciously the F3, empty. F3, M, the F3 uh, information was suspiciously absent. Yes. Mm. So um, this is why I'm interested in car number 38 because I didn't realise uh, Ral Hyman was here this weekend, and I think we were therefore missing somebody from the original entry list. Because well, you did say 35, and, and 35 we have got 35. We've had, yeah. Yes. So if we've got a car 38, we must be missing somebody, and I need to work that out. Anyway. Early days. It's not for now. By uh, the time we get round to the race, we'll have it sorted out. Or one of the races. 
Good to see two Indian drivers in the championship. Arjun Maini, I know a little bit about from his BRDC Formula 4 championship last year. That was the championship that George Russell won. But Arjun Maini kept him honest throughout. And uh, Maini in car number 29, currently seventh fastest. The other Indian driver is Mahavir Ragunathan. Again, very good, well It's done. a good cricket name, that is. I just expect Ragunathan to be running in from the pavilion end. Yeah, but obviously balling out the back of the hand. It yeah. would it would have to be the googly. <laughs> he's not a fast bowler, is he? With mm. that name, he, he's got to be bowling the the the, the Chinaman or a googly he's from not, the pavilion he's not, end. He's not, with the greatest respect, not particularly fast in this session either. Uh, his car number matches his position at uh, 33. He's got people behind him though. True yeah. enough. Yeah, Marcus Palmer don't and think, Sam McLeod. Although I don't, don't think he's actually. In fact, he's just gone out in this session. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mahavir, I'm, my apologies, because you haven't even featured in this session yet, so we'll give you a moment to uh, mm. at least put in a time. That's why you're 33rd, because it's just in alphabetical order down that, that part of the screen. It's still intriguing me as to what the T is, if anything, on the screen. I'll try and find that out uh, once this session is done. That's a little under 25 minutes away as we uh, reach 10 in the morning. And if you're here at the track, a uh, little bit of sunshine for you to enjoy now on the banks here at Silverstone. And good to get some early sessions under your belt. This will be the first bit of uh, FIA European Formula 3 Championship action for the day. There are two qualifying sessions later on. Now, the regulations stipulate that the two qualifying sessions have to be at least two hours apart. And I think we've easily made that on the timetable because there's one at about lunchtime-ish, maybe half past one-ish, and then the the... Second qualifying session is the last thing we do today, uh, which is scheduled for after five o'clock, maybe about 20 past five. So it's a late finish for the F3 guys. A couple of uh, points coming in. Right turn lover uh, points out Olivia Beretta is a Monaco-born driver. Stefan Riquelme and Stefano Coletti uh, as well. And uh, Nicole Redu says, is the appearance of Carlin in Indy Lights the beginning of a slow European migration? Uh, to uh, North America because of the now established road to Indy ladder and the lack of what we're we're talking about with the staircase of talent here in the UK. That's a very good point, in fairness, Nicole. Uh, at Specutainment and at Blackpool, Johnny. I did see the photographs in the press, though, of Trevor Carlin. Uh jubilant at a victory in the states and that is a new venture for the carlin squad there's a decent bit of money out there in fairness and in business terms that's true a smart move from trevor and the guys yeah but of course they are reliant on investment from drivers as well as yeah. putting in their own cash aren't they and uh, they they're essentially providing a service providing a platform to go racing competitively we'll sort your car out as long as you can bring the cash but uh, Carlin and Fortec have, for a long time now, been the guys to to take your cars to, particularly in this country. And they've got a bit of free time on their hands, you could argue, because with no British Formula 3 and with no Formula Renault, the outlets in this country and possibly for other domestic series no longer there. And they have to explore other avenues as well as the, as the landscape changes. Giovinazzi still quickest by... A quarter of a second now over George Russell. We'll remind you that this session counts for not a lot because it is a free practice session to just get some mileage under the wheels. 
but nevertheless might give us an indication as to how the weekend will pan out. Charles Leclerc still there or thereabouts as he was yesterday in the entirely open session held here at Silverstone. Felix Rosenquist in the number one car, not because he's defending champion, but because the team, Prima Power team, won the team's championship last year. They are, uh, sorry, Rosenquist is fourth fastest and Prima Power team doing well in the early stages of this session. Have they still got all four drivers in the top seven? Yes, they have. Cars 1, 2, 24 and 25. Pietro Fittipaldi up to eighth quickest now in car 12. The Brazilian and grandson of Emo. Ninth place for number 27. That's the Mikkel Jensen, uh, the Dane of uh, Muka Motorsport in the Mercedes-powered car. And then in 10th position, the man from Thailand, who is Alexander Albon. For signature racing. Signature were notable absentees last year, although they were in the entry list. They didn't appear at Silverstone. I'm not even sure whether they did much racing at all. They were due to be in the championship with the Renault engine. Renault turned up at an open test and were absolutely nowhere. And in the end, backed out of the championship. We didn't see Renault engines at all in 2014, even though they wanted to go full on with an attack on the championship. Warning flag for car 26. I would suggest that's not respecting the track limits. Although that is only a guess, but we had a lot of that uh, last season. And although it's frowned upon in free practice, I don't think uh, times will be deleted because they don't really count towards much. But that's Ryan Tweeter the American who is being shown the driving standards flag. And, of course, when you get to the important sessions, qualifying and then, of course, the race, there are initial warnings of, hey, up, you're crossing that white line a little bit too much, tidy your lines up. But if you persist after one or two warning flags, then time penalties can start to come into the equation, maybe even stop-go penalties as well. And if you continue to do it, then the penalties become progressively worse. So 19 minutes to go. Should say, by the way, that uh, although the current MSA rule in this country for national series is that you have to keep all four wheels inside the white line, uh, this is an international meeting as such, so those rules do not apply. And it's uh, purely down to the clerk of the course as to your, your driving standards. But generally, it's to keep at least two wheels inside the white line. Curbs usually exempt from that, though you can pretty much use all the curbs. A classic place to uh, incur the wrath of the, the, the stewards is coming out of the final corner here and onto the start and finish line because it's very easy to run out wide and there's actually a little bit of high friction tarmac there to mop up any mistakes before you fall off into the gravel trap. But if you do cross the curbing and then that uh, green strip of concrete too many times, you're judged to be over the track limits and therefore... Uh, being able to carry more speed than someone who's being uh, far more um, close to that white line. And obviously you can improve your lap time. If you start to cut corners or run out wide as well on the exit of corners, you can start to improve your lap time. And uh, that is frowned upon because we're after fairness, of course, across the whole field. George Russell still quickest then. Giovinazzi second fastest. Pietro Fittipaldi is up to third quickest now in car number 12. And Fittipaldi, in fact, now going quicker than everybody through sector one. I think that's just within this session rather than the last session as well. I don't think that the times have been combined. 
from uh, free practice one to free practice two. They're entirely separate sessions. But nevertheless, going purple through sector one, Fittipaldi. 34-4 is exactly, I think, what the fast time through sector one was in the previous uh, session as well, Johnny, if, uh, if memory serves. But then again, at my age, memory doesn't often serve. So, uh, I'm and interested in... Sorry. Sorry, in the pit lane? Yeah. Yeah, just a, a bit of an observation, guys. I'm just watching everybody working frantically down here. Things beginning to get serious by what I can see. Uh, George Russell, just beneath me, Trevor Carling, hands-on as ever, uh, helping with uh, removing wheels from the car. <laughs> He's got a new set of boots on the car, new set of tyres. I wouldn't think that's for any kind of qualifying simulation. Pre probably just going to scrub that set in, in readiness for the qualifying later on. But uh, you can just sense the uh, the urgency uh, that has sort of settled down. That In the background, I'm not sure if you can hear that Volkswagen engine of the uh, Carling motorsport Delara of George Russell just leaving so things beginning to get serious now witching hour Stuart Joe Bradley down in the pit lane our other pit lane reporter is Nick Damon and he's on his way now to the heritage pits where he'll be standing by for us for the start of the ELMS session uh, live here on RadioLamont.com you're listening to the second free practice session for the FIA F3 European Championship uh, and around the circuit on 87.7 or 1602 on the AM band. Johnny Palmer and John Hindhoff. And um, refreshingly few issues, Johnny, for anybody. We had that one red flag uh, with uh, 16 minutes to go in the first session. Car stopped out on the circuit. But once again, we've had, uh, I think, no, we've had 33 of the 34 Ferrucci and McLeod, the two that haven't gone out uh, in this session. Uh, but refreshingly few problems for these cars. It's a formula that is well developed now, though, in fairness. It's not like we're breaking new ground in technology here, is it? No, Dilara know an awful lot about Formula 3 racing. They've been making... Uh, I remember um, the first Dilaras in sort of 2000, maybe, or just before that, perhaps 1999. Um, but... Prior to 2000, it was the the Formula Threes were potentially a, a little bit more varied, and uh, you did get a various different chassis. I know that when Nick Tandy did Formula Three, they they brought a dome, um, and there have been McGall Formula Three cars as well. But the, gone are the days whereby you get mixed chassis within the championship. I think it's only McGall who still produce uh, a, another car, right? Yeah, as you, a, maybe, as a you may be right. competitor. You may be right, and uh, because Delara have entirely the whole field, then development very much on their side, and they they've just got it nailed, I think, as far as the Formula Three is concerned. And then you're looking at German engines, principally Mercedes and Volkswagen, highly reliable, uh, and very little goes wrong on them. And you know we've, we're yet to get to the race portion, and that's when things can go a little awry when you've got rookies on the track and still learning their racecraft. And it's fair to say there was quite a bit of incident throughout the racing last year across 33 races. Uh, Joe intimated earlier on that uh, it can become processional. I have to say, I saw some, some of the highlights programmes only a couple of days ago to catch up on last year's season. 
there was no bit of processionality, no. if that's a word, at all. It was, it, you know, the, the overtaking was almost a constant. I think you're looking the for whole... the word processionage. Processionage. Processionage, <laughs> Is yeah. a great word. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, let's christen that this uh, this weekend. It'll go into the dictionary. We, uh, Dick, uh, Nick Damon is the, uh, the, the absolute star of inventing words. Uh, let's head to the pits now, Joe. Yeah, I'm not going to join in with, uh, with, with the words clear. <laughs> I'm going to try and get a word with Trevor Carlin, actually. Trevor, we, we are just presuming and, and assuming as we ever do, but can you tell us what's going, what's this session all about for you guys? Are we, look, are we seeing the cars in qualifying or are we seeing them just, you know, what, what's exactly happening? Well, I mean, it's a dry run for qualifying, really. We've got two sets of new tyres. The first set, we're just warming the drivers up, getting used to the track. Uh, and now what you've got going on is a practice qualifying session. So they're all going for it now. Right, that's great. I'll leave you to your job, Trevor. I know it's getting very busy out there, but that's just something I wanted to clear up there because we were presuming, you know, they could be doing anything out there, looking at a race setup. But no, we're actually, what we're seeing out there, guys, are the drivers and teams optimising their runs uh, towards the qualifying later. Joe Bradley down in the F3 pit lane, which uh, for the weekend here is the international pits at the wing although they're based up in the paddock for the Heritage Pits. Now, the ELMS cars are based and will race out of the Heritage Pits, and that will be Nick Damon's domain principally until we get round to the race. And then uh, the WEC, of course, here at the wing end of things. Beautiful day at Silverstone, if you're listening around the UK, wondering whether or not to come down to the events Sneak away from work on Friday. Come on, you're not that important. You can give yourself half a day off and uh, work your way down to Silverstone. Beautiful weather today. Relatively clear skies. A little bit hazy earlier on. Temperatures uh, forecast to be in the late teens, early 20s degrees Celsius today. A little bit chillier tomorrow. 10 degrees on Sunday. Maybe a sprinkle of uh, rain on Sunday during the race, during the six-hour race, which could be uh, quite interesting. Uh, and if you're heading around the circuit, don't forget, keep yourself tuned in, 87.7 or 1602 on the AM band. And then uh, on your, on your, in the cars as well, in your cars, coming backwards and forwards. So coming in again tomorrow, make sure you're tuned in nice and early. You won't miss any of the action here with the Radio Show Limited team for... Radio Silverstone this weekend and thanks once again to Paul, Ian and Mark for their invaluable technical help here at the wing and Tanya and the rest of her team here at Silverstone doing their usual excellent job. We were set up in about 40 minutes yesterday, pretty much all done and dusted. And hello to everyone who was at the collective meetup last night at the Crooked Bullet just outside of uh, Milton Keynes. Alan doing a fine job of uh, entertaining us and uh, the chef's on fine form as well. Uh, thank you particularly to those who travelled up specifically for it. I know that was at least one person who came up from central London and then had to go back home uh, last night because he was at work today and he won't be coming up till the race until Saturday. So that was above and beyond. Thank you very much for that. So Johnny, last 10 minutes here and we are now trying... The qualifying runs, uh, 52.5, the best by George Russell so far. Fittipaldi in the pits with a 
five, just 0 0.006 of a second between first and second at the moment. 0 0.020 back to Giovinazzi in third position in the number three car. He's out on the circuit now. Then Maizano on a 52.6. So fully a tenth and a half then between the top four. And if we go down to the second, again, 14 drivers down to Sete in the 23 car in 14th position, just leaving the pits now. Uh, in 14th position, 0 0.995 seconds uh, of a gap between himself and the fastest time at the moment. And the fastest sector times, Johnny, beginning to come in now from the guys at the sharp end of the field. This is, as we heard Trevor Carlin say to Joe Bradley, this is qualifying simulation. It is indeed, and it'll be interesting for the teams to work out when is the perfect window for this Hankook tyre to perform. Do you get two laps? Do you get three laps? Do you get even less than that, perhaps? I don't know. Let's hope that it plateaus and gives you good performance throughout the race. But in terms of the optimum time to get a lap time in, uh, the window may be fairly narrow. I'm really impressed with George Russell's pace. Mm. This is the first time he's been in a Formula 3 car, but bear in mind he is the BRDC Formula 4 champion, and I was just checking out the calendar for that series last year. Do you know, it started at the Silverstone Grand Prix circuit, and you look back at the results, three races, two of the wins came from George Russell, and the other one from Raul Hyman, the South African. So Raul, ha Raul Hyman is the surprise entity, uh, this weekend in the sense that I didn't realise he was going to be here but great to have him on board in the number 38 car but George Russell must have been leading a championship after three rounds of the BRDC Formula 4 championship last year at the end of uh, three races at Silverstone clearly he likes this circuit he's very quick around here although as I say that he's bumped down a second place as Brandon Misano the Frenchman goes top of the times in car number 24 and goes what three and a half tenths quicker than George Russell. So Misano, Russell, Marcus Pommer, who's been fairly quiet up until this point, going in a third fastest now. This is not qualifying, I'll remind you. It's just free practice, but nevertheless could be a good indicator to the important sessions later on today. So half a second back from Misano is Marcus Pommer, the German. Uh, in fact, as I say that, he slips to fourth because Mikkel Jensen slips into third position there with a 152.342. Antonio Giovinazzi sat there in fifth place uh, and now heading out from the pit lane, Pietro Fittipaldi. What can he do towards the end of this session? Just seven minutes to go. And it's also going to be fascinating for me to work out just how good Pietro Fittipaldi is. Clearly, 10 wins from 15 races in the British Formula Renault Championship is no fluke, but there is a fair bit of argument around as to exactly how much talent he was up against during the Formula Renault Championship. Was it relatively easy for him to win races in that? And now he's in with the big boys. Will he be exposed? Well, it's seeming that that's not the case. He's eighth fastest and could yet improve, maybe with brand new tyres this time around, of course, in the number 12 car. He'll be one to watch over the next six and a half minutes in... Ninth position, we've got Maxi Gunther, and in tenth place, Ryan Tweeter. Now, there has been some movement just above them as Felix Rosenquist goes quickest now, a 151.804. So he's found uh, just five hundredths of a second on Brando Masano. These are narrow, narrow margins. Charles Leclerc, third fastest in car seven. Giovinazzi fourth quickest in car number three. And George Russell finds himself all of a sudden down a fifth place. And this is a scenario we're going to find... 
I'm sure a lot during qualifying drivers thinking I've put in a really good time there and then the next time they look at the screen they've fallen down to sixth position because the margins are that tight so 48 hundredths of a second separating quickest from second quickest then just a tenth and a half further back to Charles Leclerc a further half tenth to Giovinazzi then a tenth of a second to George Russell and Callum Illett is only two tenths off George Russell's time so these are really slim uh, differences between the times and we've got a whole second now separating the top 15 no top 16 cars well the Indian drivers are on Miney down in uh, 26 position I hadn't realized that Karen Chanduk was uh, looking after him oh is that right okay. yeah just tweeted a picture from the mm. pit lane and Karen here this weekend uh, Helping out my prodigy, he says. Right, okay. So the top manager, Miney, really nice chap. I interviewed him a few times last year, and loves his racing clearly. And was uh, no doubt just a little bit disgruntled to miss out on the mm. BRDC Formula Four Championship last year. But that was another one that was pretty much down to the wire. And with so many races through the season, it's so so important not necessarily to get race wins or necessarily podiums, but just make sure you score with every race mm. and just get that consistent no run No drop going. scores in this. No, Th correct. 33 individual races over 11 events, if you will, throughout the, the season, but no dropped scores. And so you, you really can't afford a DNF, can you? It is so tight at the sharp end of the field. That's right. Um, I'll need to check now whether uh, the winner from last year, Esteban Ocon, actually finished with the DNF. I think he he certainly won one, one race and then on the slowing down lap ran out of fuel, which was interesting because was the, the fuel sampling uh, is also something to bear in mind because uh, the officials at any point across the weekend need to be able to take one kilo of fuel as a sample. So you have to bear in mind that uh, on the winding down lap, you're going to have at least a kilo on board when the car gets back to scrutineering. Driving standards flag being displayed again, this time for car 35, who is Kang Ling, the 18-year-old from China. Again, another another one of the Muka Motorsport stable. Five cars here this weekend. Santino Ferrucci. Now, Ferrucci was uh, in the news last year because he's he was that young at the start of the year, he couldn't even take part in the championship. He had to wait until his... Uh, 16th birthday which I think was in May before he could actually enter the championship officially if you're younger than 16 you cannot race and Ferrucci got the deal so early on the American that he had to wait until I think I think it was round three in the end to be part of the championship Michaela Beretta is part of the Muka Motorsport clan along with Mikkel Jensen and Maximilian Gunther uh, Jensen and Gunther are the rookies in that team but Kangling 18 years old from Yangtze in China being shown the driving standard flag. We only have two and a half minutes to go and Brandon Masano all of a sudden back on top of the times. He's been there once before but he improves his time to go uh, 66 hundredths of a second quicker than Rosenquist. 66 thousandths of a second in fact. So narrower margin than I was expecting. Masano to Rosenquist just six hundredths of a second. George Russell is in third in car number 10. Fourth fastest, Antonio Giovinazzi in car three. Then it's Charles Leclerc, Lance Stroll, making an appearance once again in the top six. Jake Dennis, 
looking to perform at his home round along with Callum Illett and then Mikkel Jensen and Marcus Pommer rounding out the top 10. And what of uh, Mahirvi uh, Ragunathon? He is in 34th position. Santino Ferrucci, a notable absentee from this session, has not set a time. I hope that's not uh, something we should be paying attention to as far as his car is concerned. It's the number five car, Joe. I'm not sure if you can see that down in the pit lane. might be worth uh, nipping down to that pit. Unless, of course, they already disappeared and, and went back to the awnings because he hasn't been out at all in this session. Certainly possible, but Ferrucci from Woodbury, Connecticut, USA. At 16 years and 314 days is the... Well, certainly one of the youngest in the field, but he's not the youngest. Got two two other lads younger than him. You did say 16,160-something days, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Well, Lance Stroll... Let me look Stroll, that up again. that's right, yes. Lance Stroll is 16 years and 163 Three days. Three days, yeah. Okay. It's one of those odd things that's stuck in my head. Very good. Is he the youngest ever then in F3? Um, in Euro F3? No, because Santino Ferrucci got his deal at 15 years old and couldn't, as I was saying, couldn't start the season until his 16th birthday. birthday. So he had to wait till round three last year to actually wow. start. So, you know, he would have been 16 years and two days probably. Wow. Yeah. And for I mean Ferrucci is rapid. I saw him at Brands Hatch last year. He stepped in, you know, to the British Formula Three Championship for one round at Brands Hatch, and you get the. It's it's amazing what something like that puts into perspective the rest of the drivers in a championship. You think they're good, and then Ferrucci arrives just for one round and trounces the field. Yeah, yeah. and it takes it onto a whole new level. Jagger flag out. So that's the end of free practice two, and Brandon Masano looking like he will have the best time because unless anybody else is on a hot one and I can't see any purple sector times it looks like Frenchman Masano will be quickest in free practice two in car 24 the Prima Power Team run machine so he did a 151.677 after 15 laps of this second free practice session Felix Rosenquist though boding well for the weekend second quickest in free practice two with a 151.743 that's 66 thousandths of a second slower than Masano George Russell third fastest in car number 10 151.957 fourth fastest car three Antonio Giovinazzi having just crossed the line now to receive the checker flag he did a 151.958 151.997 for Charles Leclerc the Monegasque in car number seven so he's fifth fastest sixth quickest in FP2 car 25 Lance Stroll the Canadian 152.065 seventh fastest car two Jake Dennis in the Racing Steps Foundation coloured car right uh, red white and blue and a 152.078 for the Brit eighth fastest Callum Eilert in car 30 in the Red Bull backed car 152.338 ninth fastest Mikkel Jensen the Dane car 27 152.342 Marcus Palmer 10th fastest in car 34 152.362 the Germans time then we're into the positions outside the top 10 11th place for Pietro Fittipaldi a 152.549 12th fastest for Sergio Sete Camara, the Brazilian, 152.594 in car 23. Maximilian Gunther, 13th quickest, 152.614. Alexander Alban, 
the man from Thailand, 14th fastest, 152.622. Ryan Tweeter, the American, is 15th quickest, 152.651. Gustavo Menezes, his compatriot, 152.664, puts him 16th quickest. Raul Hyman, 17th fastest, 152.792. Alessio Larandi, young Italian, 16 years old, 18th fastest, 152.798. Michele Barretta, was 19th fastest, 152.818. And Nabil Jeffrey rounds out the top 20. The Malaysian, car 22, and he did a time of 152.909. That's the top 20 from free practice two for the FIA Formula 3 European Championship. And as we've mentioned, other than Ferrucci, with an undisclosed problem, didn't get out in that session, uh, very little to report in terms of uh, anyone with issues, people going round, clicking off laps. And for most people, that's been the sharp end of uh, mid-30s to 40 laps that they've completed in those two sessions, including that simulated qualifying. Qualifying that you can hear live on 87.7 around the circuit and on the PA, of course, uh, and around the world at RadioLamont.com. Check the schedule at RadioLamont.com uh, for uh, full details. Joe Bradley, a uh, Quick 10 seconds can report that. Yeah, just to tell you that, uh, of course, the cars are going to have to go back across to their paddock, which is just inside the heritage pits. So not a chance for us to talk to any of the drivers. Uh, the drivers remain... Uh, staying in the cars and driving over. Excellent stuff, uh, Joe Bradley. Uh, and thanks to Johnny Palmer. Uh, you're listening to RadioLamont.com around Silverstone and around the world. We're live from the FIA World Endurance Championship meeting in great weather. It's great sunshine. And more next. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.